Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome to today's edition of Taekwondo Life Magazine Live. My name is Mark Sorianis. I'm your host. I'm a third Don Black Belt, and I'm the editor-in-chief of Taekwondo Life Magazine. This episode is coming to you. I am recording on day 74 of the coronavirus pandemic. It'll be released later, but that's the date that I'm recording. And the topic today is meditation, talking meditation. I have found, particularly over the course of the last few weeks, with all of the anxiety and stress that the world has been under and that I have been under and that everyone really has been under, that one of the keys for me to making it through my days, being grounded, being able to put things in perspective, has been my base and my foundation and my history of meditation. So today we'll talk a little bit about different types of meditation, meditation in Taekwondo, and how you can find out if you're not meditating a little bit more about what you need to do and what's involved and whether or not there are some benefits in meditation for you. Today we are talking about a topic that I am by no means an expert in. I have no certifications or degrees in, but I can speak with relative familiarity on because I have been a student of meditation, a practitioner of meditation for the past 30 years. And while I would be lying if I said I meditated faithfully every day for the last 30 years, meditation has certainly been a part of my life for the last 30 years. For the last five years, I would say that on most given weeks, I do meditate one to two times a day. During this recent coronavirus pandemic, adherence to meditation has really helped me to get through some very, very difficult, challenging, and anxiety-filled days. As students of the martial arts, I think we understand, we've talked in the past, the martial arts can be described as being divided into several components. There's martial combat that involves self-defense, that involves collar grabs, that involves knife defense, that involves one-step sparring. Martial sport, and that can be your sport, pumse, or historically with Olympic Taekwondo, your sparring. And then martial way, the martial art component of it, right? This is the part that involves our tradition, our adherence to the Do in Taekwondo. And meditation is very much a part and parcel of that. I would expect that some of you, maybe most of you, have somehow worked into your martial arts regimen, either at the beginning of class or at the end of class, some time devoted to meditation. Not a lot of time, I would expect, because the average martial arts class runs from 45 minutes to an hour, so there's not going to be a tremendous amount of time that is devoted. But I know that in my own dojang that we do a decent amount of meditation and that we do a larger portion of that during things like our Black Belt Power Weekend. Uh, Master Edward Park puts together a organic, original uh, guided meditation that really is 
among the best that I've, I've ever experienced. So let's talk a little bit about what meditation is. What do you have to do? For, for some people, meditation is a frightening thing. For some people, it's a strange thing. For some people, it's a weird thing. You know, what does that have to do with, with martial arts? What does it have to do sitting on the floor and either breathing or, or, or making noise? And, and I sort of understand that because I think before I got involved in it, um, I viewed it as being uh, somewhat, it seemed somewhat symbolic and somewhat um, identified with strictly Eastern, an Eastern approach to living. I thought that maybe only Buddhist monks uh, or Buddhists or uh, people at the Shaolin Temple meditated and it had really nothing to do with the practice of martial arts. I came to discover that nothing could be further from the, from the truth. I define meditation as a life-altering part of any wellness program. Uh, in 2014, I wrote a book, a very simple book, uh, called A Beginner's Guide to Meditation. It was because of my love for meditation and because of the benefits that I had received from meditation that I really wanted to uh, simplify it and demystify it and share with the world. And, and a lot of what I'm going to talk about today is based on that, but we'll certainly go further. Because as I said, it's now 2020, and I had written this book in 2014. But again, meditation is a life-altering part of a wellness program. So meditation is not in and of itself um, a distinct standalone unit. It isn't uh, like practicing perhaps pumse or or other components of your of your martial arts. There isn't necessarily a right and wrong way to practice meditation, but there are uh, certain things that you can do to enhance the meditation experience. One of the things that has become extremely clear to me. Over the course of the years, it was clear to me when I wrote the book in 2014, but it's become even more clear to me, is that focus and engagement in regular meditation has life-altering medical and psychological benefits for the person who meditates. Uh, I will direct and speak about at some point uh, Bob Roth's book. That's Bob Roth, R-O-T-H. Uh, Bob Roth and David Lynch are the founders of the David Lynch Foundation. And Bob wrote a really phenomenal book. Uh, he is, uh, they are involved in transcendental meditation, and we'll talk a little bit about what transcendental meditation is um, a little bit later on. But they wrote a phenomenal book called Strength in Stillness, The Power of Transcendental Meditation. It is a very simple book. It's a very straightforward book, and they have done tremendous work. David Lynch, the 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 movie uh, writer and director, uh, the creator of Twin Peaks and and other kind of really bizarre, um, mind opening forms of entertainment, and Bob Roth, they have done tremendous work with soldiers suffering from PTSD through meditation. And if you if you really get involved in reading a little bit about what the David Lynch Foundation is doing, they have worked with soldiers, combat soldiers, without the use of medication, without the use of intensive psychotherapy, but through the use of regular meditation and help them to have life-altering benefits. There is a great article that we published in one of our uh, early issues of Taekwondo Life magazine. I think it was the first or second Edition. It was written by Ginny Christerna. She is a psychotherapist. 
but she wrote a great article called Clearing Your Mind Using Meditation. I'll read you from the opening line. Meditation and Taekwondo go hand in hand. In fact, athletes who have worked with us have reported that they feel and perform better when they meditate regularly as part of their training. Unfortunately, many Taekwondo athletes and coaches do not incorporate meditation as part of their training. And I think she she says that extremely well. I think that's extremely true. And I think that people view the practice of meditation as being distinct from the physical results and the physical benefits that you can get from meditation. In my analysis and in my discussions with people about why they don't meditate, certainly some don't know how to meditate or think they don't know how to meditate. But many have expressed that they don't meditate because they're too busy or they're too stressed or they don't have the time. And I would argue that all of these reasons or all of these excuses are exactly the reasons why you should meditate, why you must meditate. If I were to say to you, meditate 20 minutes in the morning and 20 minutes in the afternoon, many people would feel that a 40-minute commitment is more than they are able to to give. I would counter that argument saying two things. Number one is, if you don't have 40 minutes, then do 20. And if you don't have 20, do 10. And if you don't have 10, then do five. But you should try to meditate every day. But the other argument that I would make is that the benefits that you will achieve, that you will yield from those 40 minutes, will give you energy, will give you clarity of thought, will give you the power to approach your day and make your day more organized and make your day better so that that 40 minutes will yield you the remaining 23 and a half hours worth of productivity that you will get for the remainder of the day. I've always divided meditation up into several different types. Transcendental is one. I sometimes call that mantra meditation. Martial arts meditation or breathing meditation is another form. It's the one that martial artists, Taekwondo practitioners are most familiar with. And then visualization meditation, which high-level achieving athletes and many Taekwondo practitioners and martial artists are familiar with. But we're going to talk about all of these in our program today. Let's talk a little bit like anything else about the kind of nuts and bolts. Answer some of the nuts and bolts questions about meditation. Meditation involves the integration of the body and mind. So that in order for you to have a proper meditation and the proper results from a meditation, in my opinion, you need to be comfortable, but you need not be too comfortable. In other words, while I won't say that it's wrong to lay on the couch and meditate, while I won't say that it's wrong to lay in your bed and meditate, I think that that level of comfort is too great and will lead to as your body becomes more relaxed and becomes more engaged, will lead simply to sleep, which is okay, but it's probably not the ultimate goal, and you probably won't get the ultimate results that you want from meditation. Similarly, while I would argue, and we'll talk a little bit about a guy named Martin Borenson, who does the one-minute meditation, but you could meditate virtually anywhere, that the time to do it is not when you're engaged in other types of activities, such as not in your Taekwondo class while you're performing sparring or not while you're driving your car or not while you're doing something that requires a specific focus of your mind. So as you've seen, I'm sure many of you have seen, 
The classic meditation position is the lotus position where one sits on the floor or sits on the pill- a pillow or sits on something comfortable with your legs bent. That is, and your back straight, that is an ideal way to meditate. It is not the only way. There are some people who just have physical limitations, cannot sit on the floor, cannot cross their legs. That's okay. Put a pillow on a chair and sit on a chair. Put a pillow on the end of the bed. I think that there's no nece- not necessarily a right and wrong. I just think there are certain things that are ideal. One of the reasons why we sit with our upper body and our torso straight is that we want to be able to create a straight path for the flow of energy and the flow of air. You want your lungs and nasal cavities to be in a position to circulate the maximum amount of air for for the most benefit. You should be optimally, if you're choosing to a time to meditate, you should be in comfortable clothes, in your dobok, in sweatpants, in shorts, whatever the case is. However, I would never say to anyone that, oh, I'm, I'm in a business suit, therefore I should not meditate because I'm not in the comfortable clothes, or I'm in jeans and a polo shirt, so um, I certainly can't meditate because I don't have the right clothes. The clothes are not the prerequisite to a good meditation. It's the mindset. However, if you have the option, the comfortable clothes will give you a little bit of the more of the mindset that you, that you need. Similarly, I would be barefoot if you're, if you're capable of doing that. I think barefoot is more comfortable than being in shoes, particularly if you're going to have your, your legs crossed. Your buttocks should be pushed up to optimize the straightness of your posture. In other words, your buttocks shouldn't be curved forward, creating you in a slouching position, but your buttocks should be pushed all the way forward, creating an arch of your back so that your spine is as straight as possible. Again, we're trying to maximize the flow of your air. Your head and neck should be in a straight position, finishing off the line of your spinal column. Okay, so you shouldn't be looking down, you shouldn't be looking up, you shouldn't be looking to the left or to the right, but looking straight. And your mouth and your eyes should remain closed. Now there's multiple ways, and and we can get into them, but I'll give you the simplest. The simplest way to place your hands would be simply to place them either folded in front of you, with your right hand in your lap, when your palm facing upwards, and the left hand resting on top. Okay, that creates a closure. However, for some people, this isn't comfort- comfortable. If that's the case, you can put your hands on your knees. Again, you could go palm up. You could go palm down. You can, to complete the circle of the flow of energy, take your thumb and your forefinger and close them in a circle and put the other three fingers out. Another way that some people will meditate, particularly in transcendental meditation, is to take your two hands, palms together, fingers up will squeeze them to hold them together so that they're touching so that your flow of energy flows through your body and will leave them in front of you slightly below your chin some people get tired from this which is why they don't do it and they rest their hands on their legs or in front of them but if you're able to try to put your hands together i think you'll find a nice flow of your body's energy That is basically what you need to start your meditation process. I want to talk a little bit about the martial arts meditation. Many of you have done this in class. Many of you have done this after class, after a vigorous workout. 
you have a little bit of a loss of control of your breathing, perhaps. You're hyperventilating. You're taking in too much air from your mouth. Uh, you're having difficulty breathing from the unbelievable high-energy performance that you've done. That's great. And then what I would suggest is as part of your wind-down, you get in the position that I've described, and you create a balance in your breathing and in your oxygen. And in doing this, you're going to simply exhale. You're going to breathe in through your nose. And if you're able to, you're going to breathe out through your nose. Cool air in through the nose, hot air out the nose. For some people, this is difficult. If this is difficult, then you should inhale through the nose and breathe out through the mouth. Do not breathe in through the mouth. You'd never want to breathe in through the mouth. You want to breathe in through the nose. Fill your lungs and then out. And as I said, it's preferred that you breathe only through your nose. But some people at the beginning have trouble, so you breathe out through the mouth. The key of getting control of your breathing is to focus on the breathing. Visualize the breath coming in. Visualize the breath going out. Visualize the breath coming in through your nose. Create, it's invisible, right? But create a color for it. Create a, a light for it. Create a, a texture to it so that you can see it in your mind. Think about on a cold day when you're outside and you breathe your warm breath and you see that fog. So in your mind, turn your breath into this type of, this type of, of texture. While you're doing that, you're focusing only on your breathing. You are blocking out any thoughts, any negative thoughts, any positive thoughts. Your fixation only is on your breathing. You will find that your breathing starts to stabilize. You're increasing your good production of oxygen in your lungs and in your body. And you're finding yourself being only fixated on that. Now, you may find yourself thinking about things that happen in class or visualizing things, things coming to your mind. That's fine. One of the great rules of meditation, one of the things that people really don't understand is that for meditation to work, you have to be mentally limber. So people will sometimes do the complete opposite of what is prudent, which is that a thought comes into your mind and you chase it away because you say, I'm supposed to be meditating, not thinking about the movie I saw last night. No, don't. Don't think about the movie you saw last night, but don't consciously not think about the movie that you saw last night. Focus on the breathing. The the movie you saw last night may come into your mind. That's fine. And it'll go out of your mind. And maybe there's a reason why it came into your mind. Maybe there's a message there. Maybe that message won't come to you till after you're done meditating. But don't focus on the movie. But don't not focus on the movie. This is one of the greatest things that is difficult for med students of meditation to understand at the beginning. Well, how can I not focus on on something that's coming into my mind? How can I not focus on it going away? You, you'll get there. You'll get there. Believe me, it took me a while to get there. But just letting your mind do what your mind needs to do. You know, there's an interesting saying now, Dr. Anthony Fauci keeps saying about this horrendous coronavirus. He goes, the virus will do what the virus does, and people need to do what people do. The same thing with your thoughts. You focus on your breathing and let your thoughts do what your thoughts do. And that's fine. The session on, on this meditation 
It'll be probably only a few minutes if you're doing it at the end of class. But if you want to try to do this meditation on your own, you can do it in the morning. You can do it in the evening. It is a great way in the evening to get you ready for bed, to clear your mind, to stabilize your breath, to increase your flow of oxygen. You could try five minutes in the morning, five minutes at night, and work your way up. Again, ideally, if you could do 20 minutes in the morning and 20 minutes at night, I think you'll find that you have a tremendous, tremendous benefit. I next want to talk about something known as visualization meditation. This is something that I happen to think is amazingly, amazingly powerful. Those of you that may or may not be familiar, there's a great best-selling book that was written in 2006 by a woman by the name of Rhonda Byrne. It's called The Secret. And in The Secret, Rhonda talks about, and a number of famous people talk about, what's known as the laws of attraction. And I think that The Secret and The Laws of Attraction are misunderstood book and misunderstood concepts because many people think that Rhonda Byrne is talking about a type of mysticism, a type of magic that is not part of what I understand The Secret to be and The Laws of Attraction to be. The Laws of Attraction, as I understand it, whether you read the book or not, is a product of visualizing goals and achieving a path, creating a path to achieve those goals through positive thoughts, through the elimination of negative thoughts, not only in meditation, but in your life. So that in other words, one of the examples of the book, which I think is really um, very positive and very makes a lot of sense, is that if I wanted to lose weight, For me to say, I don't want to be fat anymore is not the best way to visualize that goal or to get to that goal because I'm automatically surrounding that with negativity, right? I'm I'm using a pejorative term, fat. However, if I were to try to couch it in the positive language that I would like to eat a more healthy diet and live a more healthy lifestyle... That goal becomes positive, becomes attainable, and isn't couched in negativity. So as we go through the visualization meditation, we keep this positivity in in mind, okay? And almost anything that one could say, that I could say to you, I could find a more positive way to say that. I could very aggressively ask somebody to do something for me, say, pick up that off the floor. Or I could say something like, would you be kind enough to um, help me by taking that garbage and throwing it away? I would really appreciate it. Those two things, I've basically given the same instructions to someone. However, I think that we could all agree that the second is more positive and will probably yield a better result. This type of meditation from a physical standpoint is no different from the type of meditation that we talked about with the martial arts meditation. You're going to assume the same type of a position. You're going to assume the same breathing pattern. You're going to assume the same body position. However, instead of focusing on your breath, if you're able to, and this may take a little bit of homework before, you may wish to script out a goal that you are trying to achieve. I want to be able to do 100 roundhouse kicks in 30 seconds, okay? You now focus on that goal and think about your performance. Think about your execution. 
think about what it will feel like when you achieve that goal. As you do this, you're sort of having a conversation in your mind. Again, think about the fact that I talked before about random thoughts and how those random thoughts come in and out of your mind. Well, that may happen here too, and that's okay. You may be thinking about roundhouse kicks, and then all of a sudden uh, some Netflix series will will kick in. You'll say, well, wow, uh, I was thinking about watching that Joe Exotic uh, crazy uh, Tiger King thing on that. That's okay. Again, don't try to push that out of your mind. What you want to do is to simply let that pass like a cloud passing over you, and then get back to the positive things that you are thinking about. Go back to thinking about that goal and work through it. Now, I will tell you something really interesting about this type of meditation, okay? Something that is absolutely um, unbelievable and something that is really hard to believe, but there's a study that was done, and that study of Olympic athletes, particularly those in the track and field area, they did, they monitored scientists, I shouldn't say they, scientists monitored Olympic athletes in the execution of their uh, sport, whether that be running the 100-yard dash, whether that be doing hurdles, whether that be doing the javelin throw. They then had those athletes sit in a room and they had those athletes visualize the exact same thing visualize themselves doing the 100-yard dash, visualize themselves throwing the javelin, visualize themselves uh, jumping the hurdles. And the results of this study were that the physical, the brain waves, the pulse, the heart rate of those athletes during the visualized meditation was exactly the same as when they were involved in the physical activity. That is almost impossible to understand and believe, but as you get into visualized meditation, you will understand that it just discusses and, and is, shows you how your mind and your body are integrated for your success and for the achievement of your goals. Think about in Taekwondo as somebody who is trying to uh, perfect their forms or somebody who is trying to execute sparring techniques, that now you sit and you visualize the execution of those forms. For me, it was very helpful for me to learn my forms. Uh, I turned around, oh, I'm going to learn Taiguk Sajan. Okay, I'm going to go through it several times. And then in the evening before I go to sleep, when my mind will now have an opportunity to process this over and over again, I'm going to execute Taiguk Sajan in my mind. My body is now responding in exactly the same way as if I had done the form physically, and I'm going to have the benefit of really having additional practice of my form. I promise you, if you try this, you will have great results. We're, the last one we're going to talk about with any, in any length is what's called mantra meditation, or you may know it as transcendental meditation. Now, I call it mantra meditation for a very specific reason. Because transcendental meditation is very scary to a lot of people. Transcendental meditation is something that is passed down through the, uh, the Maharishis and gurus, and it comes from the East. Uh, and there is a tremendous opportunity for a lot of achievement 
of different levels of actualization through mantra meditation. And many people who study mantra meditation have a great understanding of what's called the chakras of the human body. They have a great understanding of many different aspects of the human mind and of the human body and of the, of, of the integration of those things. Many people also with, with transcendental meditation will tell you that in order for you to have success in transcendental meditation, that you need to have a personalized mantra. And that in some ways implies that you need to have a very serious, very high achieved person who is going to study you, going to learn from you, going to learn about you, and is going to develop and provide you with that mantra. I'm not saying that's wrong. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that. I'm simply saying is that from the position of where we are as beginners, I even consider myself to be a beginner, that there's a simpler path to achieving the benefits of mantra meditation or transcendental meditation. I will tell you that this was opened up to me by somebody that I never thought would have, have been such an expert in this area. I didn't know much about him. And that is Russell Simmons. Russell Simmons wrote a book in 2014 called Success Through Stillness. It is a book about transcendental meditation. It is a book that I highly recommend for anybody. And it is among the most practical useful and simple guides to meditation that you could ever find. I, I challenge anyone to find a book that is more digestible and easier than Russell Simmons's book. This type of meditation, again, our positioning, our body will be exactly the same. The difference now is that sub, we will be substituting from the breathing aspect, we'll be substituting the visualization aspect, with the expression of a mantra. And a mantra could be anything. However, in his book, and I find it very, ever, very effective for me, he suggests the use of the words rum or om as variations of the mantra. They are, and I'm going to give an example, as you meditate for this period of time, you close your eyes and you breathe and you simply recite the mantra. You're reciting the mantra as you're from the back of your throat and you're creating a vibration from the inhalation of air and the exhalation. So I'm going to do this for a moment and you'll hear, you'll hear the way the mantra sounds and you'll hopefully hear some of the vibrational aspects of it. Hum. That's just a sample. Now, you could hear, hopefully, more than me just saying the word rum, is I hope you could hear through our audio equipment, the vibrational aspects. But I will tell you, and take my word for it, that you can feel the vibrational aspects of it. 
you can feel that it becomes a natural cadence and it becomes a natural rhythm. And I will tell you that after doing it for 20 minutes, it is amazing how you feel. You feel like you've had a full night's sleep and you start to find that your mind opens up while you're doing it. Again, will you have a situation where you're going to have thoughts that are coming in? Yes, absolutely. That's your mind opening up. Do not fight them. Do not focus on them. Do not push them away. Do not get too excited by them. Just focus on the mantra. Om. Now, I will tell you what I find is the hardest aspect of this, and I went through this myself, is that people have a hard time. They feel silly. They feel ridiculous chanting the mantra. I do understand that. I do it privately in my room. There are times that I have done it and my kids, my young kids have been around and they relish the opportunity to try to distract me, to try to bring me out of my trance-like state. And that's fine. At the beginning, I used to get annoyed and chase them away. Um, there were times that I would try to block them out. But now what I simply do is I just simply chant my mantra. You will find that it is amazing. It creates a flow of energy. It creates a, a mindset. And it is very hard to make the commitment to be involved in the realm of nothingness of thought. And for those that have never meditated, that may sound like a bizarre concept to you. But for those who have meditated, you understand what I'm talking about. But you shouldn't be embarrassed and you shouldn't be ashamed to chant your mantra. You know, I have been very involved in the course of my life, a little bit about me, in comparative religion study. I am uh, an Orthodox Christian by birth and by my early practice. There is a great overwhelming similarity between the chanting of prayers and meditation. So there are those of you, if you're Catholic and you say the rosary, something I'm not that familiar with, but I know that uh, for Catholics, the, the saying of the rosary is important. I know that for different religions, that there are different prayers. I know that there are very simple prayers. This is all very, very similar. And if you feel that you want to substitute something other than a sound, a rum, or om, that's fine too. Create a saying, I will get a gold medal. I will get a gold. I would try to keep it simple, and I would try to keep it something that gives you the opportunity to create a vibrational cadence. However, my point is, I'm not one that's fixated on you having to go and get yourself a meditation master to create a mantra for you. I think that you can engage yourself in what works, and I think you will still have tremendous benefit. So those three are the basic kinds of meditations as far as I see it. I hope that I've been able to break them down. We'll, we'll have some notes in, in, in the show notes for this. There's some questions that I wanted to answer, some questions that have come up. I talked a little bit about position, whether you should be seated on the floor, seated on the bed, cross-legged. I think we talked about that. But there's other issues, and, and one of them is relating to environment. And my belief is that as a starting, someone starting out in meditation, 
that you should create the quietest, most comfortable environment possible. Why? Because you're new to this and you're trying to get your mind into a mindset and you're trying to get the benefit of it. And it is very easy to get distracted. It's also very easy to um, get in a situation where if you set your timer for 15 minutes or 10 minutes or five minutes where you lose track of how long have I been meditating and how long till I am done meditating. Borenson, Martin Borenson, and I mentioned him earlier, he has a tremendously successful but very difficult to achieve one-minute meditation. And it reduces meditation to a period of one minute. And, and he's famous for doing a video where he can do a one-minute meditation or a 30-second meditation for while he's standing in Grand Central Station waiting for the train. Uh, that's an amazing achievement. That perhaps is a goal. I've been meditating for 30 years. Not to discourage you, it's my limitation, not a limitation of the art. But certainly, I don't believe that I could do that. Um, but the point is about the environment. I would try to create the most comfortable environment possible. Room temperature? Is there a particular room temperature? I think what you're comfortable with. Should I have meditation music to accompany me during my meditation? I think it's completely up to you. I think sometimes the, the, the music is good in terms of getting you into a comfortable mindset. It creates a little bit of white noise that drowns out street traffic and other things. However, for me, I'm not big on, on meditation music because I don't want to focus on the music unless the music is directly scripted for meditation, which sometimes if you go to YouTube and you can do a guided meditation there, they have it. But, you know, using regular types of music, I think, can be somewhat distracting from meditation. So I don't use it, but you certainly can. Uh, should you burn incense while doing meditation? Again, if, if, if it's something that is comfortable, is pleasing to you. Um, meditation is the immersion and the alertness of the senses, okay? Um, it is the integration of your mind and of your body, and it is the elevation of all of your senses. So if, if burning some sort of incense is uh, pleasing to you, then I would go ahead and, and, and do that. I think that all of these these things about meditation are that my goal is to tell you that anyone who tries to convince you that, you know, that there's only one way to meditate and that your way of meditation is wrong and that you must follow their way of meditation, uh, I think is missing the point. Meditation is extremely personal. It's an extremely personal thing. And I think that whether you do it for a minute a day or whether you do it for 40 minutes a day, I think you'll find you get a lot out of it. I also think that there is value to group meditation, like there's value to group prayer. However, I think that if you're going to do group meditation, that you need to have a common understanding with the people that you're doing it with, particularly if you're beginners, as to what type of meditation. In other words, if you're just going to be doing visualization meditation, but other people in the group are going to be chanting and doing transcendental med meditation, you may find that their mantra is too distracting to you and you can't get it done. So I would try to work out those issues. I think that meditation is not only has it been scientifically and psychologically proven to yield benefits, to those that practice it, but I can tell you from my personal experience, 
It is life-altering and it is life-changing. I encourage you to give it a try. I would love to hear your feedback. I'd love to hear what type of meditation you feel is the best. And if there's a type of meditation that I didn't cover here and you want to submit an article about it or if you want to just email me about it, I would look forward to hearing from you. Again, I am recording this on day 74 of the pandemic. I hope and I pray that by the time this is released that the pandemic is a memory for us. But if not, we will get through it and we'll get through it together. And until then, I will continue to rely on my meditation to keep me grounded and focused. Thank you. With spending time in training and working on the podcast and the magazine, it is difficult for me sometimes to get out to the store or the supermarket. And when that occurs, I always rely on Instacart. A friend of mine introduced me to Instacart about a year ago, and it has really changed the way that I shop. I go on the computer or on my phone. I have multiple stores to choose from in the neighborhood. I can select all of my products for delivery and it'll give me other alternative products based upon my preferences. And it's really, really a helpful tool towards making your life a heck of a lot easier. No more worrying about trying to find parking at the supermarket or standing in line at the checkout counter. You can just do all of it from your computer. It'll help you save money by giving you suggestions on deals and by providing you alternative products. And shoppers will hand select your products, they'll bag them up neatly, and that they'll deliver them within a specified delivery window. I have never had a problem with the products, the groceries, or the service from Instacart. And if you follow the show notes and you let Instacart know that we sent you, They'll provide you free delivery on your first order of over $35. I highly recommend it, and I think that it, for me, has been one of the life-changing services that I've gotten involved with. I'm not a guy who does a lot of internet shopping, but this is something I don't like to be without. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.